Now we are going to have our very first message of this beautiful Sabbath day by David Hope, entitled, You Are Never Alone. Thank you, sir. Good afternoon, everyone. Another beautiful day. We pulled it out. Any, any of you awake when the storms came through this morning? Reg was. Steve was. Steve, could you ever go back to sleep? <laughs> I gave up about 4.15, 4.30 and just stayed up. And then Fran got up a little later and had coffee. And I sat down in the recliner and talked to her. And her sweet voice put me to sleep for about 30 minutes or so. She quit talking. <laughs> No, not really. What did I say wrong? <laughs> Anytime somebody laughs, I said something wrong. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes when a terrible trial is happening, and, and most of us have had pretty rough trials. If we haven't, we will have. It's kind of like... Uh, uh, what Rick Warren said one time, if you're not in the middle of a trial, or you're, uh, you've just got out of one, or you're fixing to go into one. So uh, when a terrible trial just have happened, and it seems to never end, a lot of times they, they go on and on and on. I know some of you have had some pretty hard trials they just for a long time, and may even get worse, and we wonder why, and we wonder where is God in the middle of this, you know, and... Uh, when will this end? When will this trial end? And you said, why am I having this trial? And we've talked about this before. Many of us have, you know. And first thing we do is look and see, well, what am I doing wrong? And then we go and see, well, what's God trying to tell me? Or blah, 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 you know. And we're always asking why we're having that trial. And final question, not necessarily final, but final I've got down here is, Sometimes we're, we have the trials so bad, we say, how long can I go on? You know, how long can I bear this trial? And some of you can identify with that. Jesus wants to keep in mind, you are never alone. No matter how bad your trial is or my trial is, no matter how bad they are, we are never alone. Turn my first scripture will be in Hebrews 13th chapter. Like I've said so many times, I intend to keep this brief. Oh, I start to say if I don't time it, it won't be brief. They've got a clock up here to go by. But anyway, uh, Hebrews 13th chapter and verse 5, and, and breaking into a thought here too, says, Let your conversation, you can say even conduct, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. You know, sometimes we get very impatient over small things and, and sometimes even heavy things that, you know, but uh, Scripture says to be content. For he said, and listen to this, I will, and talking about Jesus, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And sometimes we really have to concentrate on that no matter how bad things are. Jesus said, I will never leave you. You may seem like it, and we've all heard the, the uh, little tale, you know, the, the two footprints, you know, and, 
and then the person asking, well, why did, why did you leave me, God? I just see one footstep, you know, one footprint. Well, that's when I carried you. Well, sometimes we get that way. We think that we're walking by ourselves. Romans 8 chapter, verse 24 through 31. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why do you yet hope for? We, we hope that we're healed. We hope that this financial problem, we hope that this other horrible problem is going to end. So it, we're hoping because it's not here yet. If it already happened, we wouldn't be hoping. That's kind of the essence of that verse. But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. And how many times have we had messages on patience? You know, we need patience. Last fall or last spring, you know, we had... A Bible study on, you know, several weeks Bible study on patience. Uh, verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities. And this is something that we've uh, heard a lot, we've read it a lot, we've heard it from messages. But a very, very important thing, the Spirit helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. Have you ever been in a situation you just don't know what to pray about this? You know, we, we all have them. I don't, I'm not going to give all the situation. But, but the Spirit itself makes intercession with us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So have confidence that God knows. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows what's in us. And even if we're just so confused and so frustrated, so depressed, if that's where it goes. And we don't really even know how to answer that. You know, God, you know, whatever. Well, the Spirit understands. So, you know, we're not by ourselves. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, the Spirit in us, the mind, because it makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that, and I've mentioned this before uh, in his messages, and we know that all things work together for good. And I made a mention in a message one time that I was with a customer on a job and she was having a problem and I was trying to console the lady and and tell her, oh, well, you know, all things work for good. You know, and I knew she was a little bit religious. And, and uh, I said, you know, all things work for good. And, uh, but, and I think some of you probably remember. She corrected me. She says, well, the rest of the story is for those who are called according to his purpose, for, you know, those that love God and call. So she, you know, I never said that just blatantly, not blatantly, but I mean casually like I did. But uh, all things do work for good for those of us who are called, who have been, uh, you know, or they're, they're looking forward to God and love God. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. He determined ahead of time, way before we actually ended up in church, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom... He did predestinate them, he also called. So, you know, he looked down each one of us out here, each one of you. He knew way before he ever allowed us to come in contact with the church or understand his Sabbath or understand his ways or even desire. Some of us, uh, way before we even had a desire to serve God, he knew that. He knew he was going to call us. And whom he, or whom he called then also justified and whom he justified them, he also glorified. 
What shall we say? And here's the crux of this particular scripture. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, and we even have songs that we sing, who, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now maybe your problem, maybe our problem is not necessarily somebody being against us, but anyway, if it is, and if it's not, God is for us. We're not alone in our battle. Switching gears just a little bit um, along the same line. I don't know how many of you may have seen on the news here a week or two ago that uh, a prayer breakfast, I think, it was a, I think it was a prayer breakfast the day after the State of the Union message by our president, and President Trump quoted a scripture out of Jeremiah. I was really shocked to see that on national worldwide TV. And he, he quoted, and almost word for word, Jeremiah, the first chapter, verse 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And he was talking to them, and he was wanting the word to get out to all of the states that were going to be voting on a real lax version of abortion, partial birth abortion, and we know the stories on some of them right up until the time they're born. You know, they tear the pieces out and they pull them out. But he was trying to let the people realize God knows these people before they're ever born. And he, he made that. I, I was really surprised. He said, uh, I'll read again. Uh, before I formed you in a belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet unto the nations. So God knows the babies even before they're born. And of course, we know stories of Jesus and, and uh, you know, when Mary was pregnant with uh, Jesus, Mary yeah, pregnant with Jesus and, and uh, also uh, John the Baptist's mother, his cousin. And so we know those stories and, and it's good proof to us. And along that line, God does choose people for specific purposes. And there's so many examples of that. And I'm just going to choose one, one little example out of the Old Testament and, and several of them throughout. But I'm, I just chose to go with uh, Exodus 31, verse 1 through 6. Not only is my English bad, my Hebrew is really bad too. And I'm trying to pronounce Hebrew names in English, but I, forgive me. Uh, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, this is when they were fixing to build the temple, you know, the, or the, yeah, the temple, the tabernacle, whatever, out in the wilderness. And a lot of different things had to be done. A lot of skills, a lot of te uh, technical things had to be done. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezali, so if I'm wrong, you just read it in your own mind, Bezali, the son of Ur, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. And we've had people in our congregation here and still do have that have tremendous skills, tremendous abilities. And uh, a lot of the older people here, I mean, people have been here for a while, uh, New Merlin, uh, Ross, you know, tremendously gifted in, in, in the ability for woodworking and things of that nature. Just 
you know, he wouldn't even have to have a plan. He could come up and, and make beautiful furniture and stuff. It was just so easy. And when he talked, he had that ability just about all of his life. He was a young boy. He could do those things, you know. Uh, and he took the credit, or not took credit, he gave credit to God, gave him that skill and that talent and that ability. And God has said that so many times, but this is pretty strong in this particular case, that God has given people these, these talents, these abilities. And if we have some gift, some talent that we're better than somebody else, we can't get all puffed up and gloat over and all that. that you know, God gave it to us, so we ought to be thankful. To devise cunning works, to work in gold and silver and in brass and in cunning cutting stones to set them and, and carving of timber to work in all manner of worksmanship. And I behold, I have given with him Aholaleb, the son of Ashkemath, and the tribe of Dan, or of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all the wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. So God put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded you. And God, in that same line, God even gives gifts to the people in the church. God calls us for a specific purpose. Like God chose uh, the people for Moses and them in the wilderness for a specific purpose. And God places people in his church for a specific purpose. And if you're out here and you think, well, what am I here? You know, I'm just warming a seat. I come in, you know, and, and I'm here. I sing songs. I talk to people. But, you know... Why did God put me here? Well, God knows. He knows you by name. He knows every single one of you by name. And he knows why he puts you here. And if we don't like each other, you know, take that up with God. I'm not going to say I don't like anybody. <laughs> but um, anyway, for a specific purpose, and big example is 1 Corinthians 12, 18. I'm not going to read everything. we just kind of jump into a thought here. But now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And how many times do we hear this, you know? And it pleased God to put us here. Every one of us is here because God wants us here. We may ask, why did God make that decision? Or why is he making the decision he is? Well, just give you a short answer. Romans 9, verse 19 through 21. You will say to them, no, you will say then unto me, why does he yet find fault? Who has resisted his will? Verse 20, but no, or no, but, O man, who are you to reply against God? Who are we to say you shouldn't have called Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so? Why, God, don't you know that they have a problem? Don't you know David's not a perfect person, you know, that, Guy speaking up here, why'd you call him? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why have you thus, or why have you made me thus? Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel into honor and another to dishonor?
You know, when we're having a really hard time, just remember, there are other people either here or out in the world that have it just as hard or maybe even harder than what we do. And I think that's what keeps a lot of us going sometimes. We, we get the idea that, oh, woe is me, woe is me, and then we come down and, and see someone else that has it a whole lot worse than what we have it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. And there's a scripture that keeps a lot of people hanging on. There has no temptation taken you but such as in common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape uh-oh, and we'll get out of it. Well, no, read a little further. That you may be able to bear it. We don't always get out of the problem, but he gives us a way, gives us the strength to bear it. My last scripture, this is going faster than I thought it would. I normally digress a lot, and, and uh, if I've got two or three pages, I can double or multiply that, and I chose not to digress as much today. Maybe I'll, let me think up a story and talk about myself. I haven't talked about me very much today. That's my favorite subject. Talk about me and how that, how the Bible applies, you know. No. I say no, that's true, but I'm not going to do it. Um, Galatians 6, verse 9. And breaking in again into some subjects. And let us not be weary in well-doing. And it's easy to get tired. It's easy to give up sometimes after a long, long, long time of battling with our problem, our trial. And we just never seem to get over. We're just continually there. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Keep this in mind. God knows you by name. He knows every single one of us by name. And we've heard so many times recently in our messages, sometimes twice and two messages one day, God loves you. He loves me. He loves our children. Jesus said that God even knows the hairs on our head. Now some of you, it's a little... That's no problem. I know with the hairs on your head. I can look at them and see, well, here's one over here. No, it's kind of a bad hair day for some of us. But Anyway, but God even knows the hairs on your head and that he will never leave or forsake you. Just remember this one thing. You are never alone. 